When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A few weeks ago, I was invited to a fundraiser honoring the work my friend Charles Payne does for the Boys and Girls Club of Harlem. Charles has been someone who talks proudly of how the Boys and Girls Club was there for him when he was a youngster, having just moved to the neighborhood with his single mom and two brothers. He says his goal is to give back and nurture kids at a young age to develop strong leaders in the future. Sharon Joseph, the CEO of the Boys and Girls Club of Harlem, was there at the event to help honor and introduce Charles to the crowd. It was such a treat to see and hear how this group of wonderful people helped to inspire Charles to help make him the success he is today. I invited both Charles and Sharon to the podcast to talk about the importance of this organization and how it has impacted both of them today. I know you'll love our conversation, so please welcome Sharon Joseph and my good friend Charles Payne, host of Making Money on the Fox Business Network, on today's Janice Dean podcast. Well, I'm so happy that you made it. Charles, of course, this is your second time on the Dean's List. I love it. I love it. This is the first time I was ever happy to be on the Dean's List. (laughs) More to come, my friend. And then you brought your friend Sharon Joseph Thank you for being here. You are the CEO, Executive Director of the Harlem Boys and Girls Club. Thank you. So excited to be here on the Dean's List. Oh, yes. Well, uh, listen, I had to bring you here, Sharon, because Charles, I was so honored to get an invite uh, a couple of weeks ago to the event uh, where you grew up, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about that. So it's, uh, it was at this, uh, this school that was abandoned for at least two decades. Um, you wow. know, yeah, I mean, it's honestly, I would just every time you thought about it, you just remember there's a boarded up school right uh, on a main big, big street. And it's a spectacular building. It's really amazing. It really is amazing. It just shows you what can be done. And I lived one block away from there. And I can remember that there was always these ideas like we should take this because the local church, a big church in the neighborhood, Common, Common Avenue Baptist Church, which is one of these churches, very influential, particularly in Harlem. Mm-hmm. Like every presidential candidate goes by there. There's two churches in Harlem. If you're running for president, you got to go. <laughs> Abyssinia and Convent. Right? You got to go there. Yeah. So they owned it. But, you know, the church people, not necessarily business, real estate people per se, mm-hmm. they had access to it. And they, they, could not, they could never really get it together. I remember once Reverend Grant, who was in, you know, the, the head the reverend at one point before he passed away, came down to my office in Wall Street. We spent a lot of time together. I had some great ideas, and he loved them, but I didn't realize it was church politics. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I couldn't deal with it. I, you know, I, like, I presented the ideas, and this person had an objection, and this. Okay. some were good, but some were just ridiculous, and it was like, uh, you know, anyway, so, uh, you know, but I would, I, I, I knew some people on the board, yep. and um, I would every now and then get 
like you know, just an email solicitation kind of thing. You get a lot of those things in your inbox. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I just a few years ago, I said, you know, let me step up. Let me step it up and started donating more money. And you know, next thing I know, so I got a phone call, and they didn't know I was involved before. Like no one really knew who were the present management. Okay. That 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 was an integral part of my life uh, mm. as a, as a kid. The, the Harlem, uh, the Boys and Girls Club of Harlem was an integral part of my life. And for me and my brothers, it was ex- an ex- uh, really an essential part of our lives because, you know, we we came from a different background, and it was really a difficult period for us to make the move into Harlem in the nineteen seventies. Yes, the poorest, most dangerous neighborhood in America, and this was an oasis for us. So. Uh, I, I was always just happy to be a part of it. And when I got out of the Air Force, they had they used to sponsor a football team. Mm-hmm. So when I got out of the Air Force, I actually coached. It was one of the coaches for two years. But then I had to put all my you know energy into trying to build my career. But uh, I'm just happy it's here. I'm so happy that Sharon is involved, that she's leading it because she's a juggernaut. She's got amazing ideas and... Uh, it's, she's the right person at this time. Ah, uh, well, Sharon, I was so impressed with you because you know you ran the event, you spoke at the event, and you know you really have a commanding presence. You are an, an amazing speaker. Uh, what's your background? How did you get here? Well, thank you, and I'm so excited to be on the team with Charles. He makes such a difference. Um, last year, when I started at the Boys and Girls Club of Harlem, this was a life-changing movement for me. I had spent 20 years on Wall Street. I'd been working at Goldman Sachs and someone called me and said, you know what, you've been talking about, you wanna go back to Harlem where I grew up. Mm -hmm. I am a first gen. My mother was an immigrant to this country and um, I grew up down the block just like Charles did. Unfortunately, we did not know about the Boys and Girls Club so I was more of a latchkey kid just hanging out in the neighborhood. And so when my mother passed away, I said, you know what? No matter how hard she worked, she was always involved in the community. Mm. She was always giving back. And that's what everyone talked about at her funeral. And so I kept telling my friends, I said, I've got to step up my game. Right? I want to make her proud. I want to give back to my community more. And so I was on my way to vacation, and a girlfriend calls and says, there's this role that has your name on it. I didn't even have a resume done. I literally was getting on a plane at like six o'clock that morning, dusted off some resume, you know, put Goldman on it and uh, sent it off to the guy. And the next thing I know, I'm on my vacation and I get called for an interview. And so I tell my girlfriends, I'm like, listen, I got this interview. I'm going to go in this back room. And this it all happened so fast that when I actually sat down and they said, you have the job, I was like, wait, oh, really? I have this job? Um, And I've got to tell you, I love my former firm, Goldman Sachs. They have been so supportive in this journey with me. Um, And then when I got the job, I started looking at people who had donated. So one of my board members uh, was really good friends with Charles, and she suggested I speak with him. And uh, he's just been a force. I have a wonderful board, and he's one of the most wonderful people on that board in terms of just the dedication and the support. But really, to me, he's a beacon of what can happen if we just give kids opportunities. And he's come in, he's talked to the kids, and I got to tell you, every day just coming in and seeing what the opportunities are, because I don't think our kids are victims. Mm. I think they're kids who just need more exposure and more resources and more direction. And so... 
I think that there are a lot of beautiful things, including myself and Charles, that have come out of Harlem. And we want to make sure that we pave the way for some other kids. No child should be left behind. Oh. Charles, tell me about that. What does it mean? You know, I've heard people say, and even at the event that I attended, which was such a beautiful testament to you and, of course, sharing the work that you do, they say that it's the Boys and Girls Club saved their life. Yeah, it, it is a lifesaver. Um, I, again, when I first, when we first got to Harlem, uh, you know, we grew up, my father was in the Army, so we moved every year, uh, every year. My high school was the first school I went to two years in a row. and uh, But we lived all over, right? We lived in Pittsburgh a couple of times. I was born in New York, uh, moved to Pittsburgh, lived in Texas, lived in Germany, back to Pittsburgh, lived in Japan, back to uh, Texas, Alabama, North Carolina, Virginia, and all of these places. It was really wonderful. In a way, it was, it was, it was, oh, you wouldn't say too wonderful, but we were certainly shielded. If you can imagine growing up in the 60s and 70s, we were shielded a lot from almost all the things that were going on. And that was a tumultuous time in our, in our country, not just the civil rights era, but just all the different movements that were going on. And the military base, you know, no one was burning bras on military bases. Right? So, <laughs> you know, and, you know, it's it, my first best friend was a, a guy named Randy Helms. I need to look him up one day. Right. He was a white guy. You know, I had a white girlfriend, black girlfriend. You know, it was just. It was sort of like the ultimate melting pot, yeah. but we, it was, we were very naive, mm. very naive, um, which I think is, has pros and cons, right? Yeah. I mean, we, so, yeah, my parents had problems, came, came home from school one day, my mom said we're leaving, so all four of us, me and my mom and my two younger brothers got on a bus from Fort Lee, Virginia. And How old were you? I was 12. Okay. Beautiful two-story house, you know, great yard, uh, it just, I had my own room, we had a den. <laughs> it was just amazing. You know, yeah. we had the Brady Bunch staircase. <laughs> like, you know, it was just go outside, you play all day, come in the house, get it, make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, go back outside and play all day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, we went from that to no money. Uh, we got to Harlem and, uh, you know, we stayed with um, a friend of hers. Yeah. Uh, and uh, all four of us lived in a room for a few months mm. together. We got our own apartment. And that was really almost, I mean, there was culture shock from the very first moment. A lot of it was amazing. Some of it obviously wasn't the crime and the poverty. And, you know, I got to tell you, Janice, we got our own apartment. And that winter was the ultimate shock because we had no heat most of the time, like 95% of the time. I remember when the guy came with the coal delivery. It was like March, like a little bit late, my man. You know, <laughs> But we'll take it, you know. Um, and so I just started thinking about money. Because, you know, I, I saw my mom working hard. We had nothing. We never experienced poverty before. I was the oldest. I took it upon myself to start working. Mm. And I started hustling. I did everything, everything. You know, I cleaned windshields at, at stoplights with, you know, roll of paper towels and Windex, shoveled snow, got a job in a bodega. So I did everything. And I've been working pretty much straight since I'm 12 years old. But it was tough, you know, the, the, the violence of it. And it's really hard. Like a lot of people from the outside looking in think there it's people have a lot of options. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, just don't join a gang. Uh, right. You know, or just don't do this. Uh, yeah. Let me tell you, I was so afraid of my mom. Even after I graduated from high school and signed up for the Air Force, there was a four month delay. And we were like, well, you got to find something to do for those four months because that's how the street is. The street is very powerful. 
And often, if you're not looking for trouble, it, it will find you anyway. Mm-hmm. And so I got a job at McDonald's. You know, so it's like, you know, and it was out of the block. It was, you know, it's just, but it's just one of those things where this the being able to go to the Boys and Girls Club, which sponsored the football team, and to be able to go to practice and have organization, yeah, uh, you know, have, have a schedule, then to watch these men who had their own families and their own jobs volunteer their time to help us, to teach us, mm. to guide us, to be tough on us. A lot of the, a lot of the kids didn't even have didn't didn't even know who their dads were. Right. So you had to have a father figure, and that was my first time being exposed to people who put themselves out there. I will never forget those men. Oh. Never. Don't go anywhere. We'll have more of the Janice Dean podcast right after this. This is Jimmy Fallon, inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com. Sharon, what do you see? I mean, I saw one young man come up and, and be so proud that, you know, he was part of this group and was so grateful to have found the Boys and Girls Club. You must experience that. You know, it's interesting because I'm listening to Charles's story and, you know, he said that was a couple of decades ago. <laughs> that story is still the same today, yeah. which is the sad part of that. Um, I see a lot of young men just like Charles and young women because, you know, it is the Boys and Girls Club. Yeah. And, you know, they're either like my mom, single mother, could be an immigrant like my mother, could just be just a single mom who got divorced could be someone who had their child very early. And so these children are living, and again, I like to use the words under-resourced. Yes. Um, And so they're smart, but the public schools that they attend, unfortunately, are under-resourced. And like myself, I went to public school until 10th grade, but I played the cello, and I loved the cello, and I'd go to the Met. And when I went to the Met, I overheard about a private school. And so I said, I want to go to private school. And I filled out the application myself, did my mother's signature because she would let me do everything for her. And I got in. And all my life I'd been a straight A student. And then I got to private school in 10th grade. And I got my first C in my life. And I was devastated because I realized there was a deficiency in my education. And I'm watching that same thing today with a lot of my kids. Mm. I want to give a shout out to all the public school principals who are doing their best, but they're under-resourced. Mm. And so our kids, even when they're really smart, I can still see that they're not competing. They're not competing with my daughter who's been in private school since three years old. Yeah. I tell them about the SATs and they start studying two weeks before. And I'm like... You don't realize that there are tiger moms like me out there that had their kids preparing for the SAT in ninth grade. Yeah. Um, and yes, I'm I'm in recovery now. <laughs> but the fact is, is that these kids are smart, but their parents don't have the information. Yes. And so you're talking about smart kids who, if they're not put in something organized, mm. can get caught up in drugs. That's why we pay the kids a stipend to learn so that their parents are not forcing them to also come out of the program in order to bring some resources to the table. Mm-hmm. And so we we raise money to pay the kids stipends to learn skills. Then having been in corporate America for years, we had a lot of beautiful DEI programs, but the kids would come in and they go right back out the door. Mm. Why? Because they weren't prepared to be in the culture. 
So they might have had Excel skills, but there were so many other social and emotional skills that were critical. So that's why we're also focused on giving kids work skills, social and emotional skills, as well as helping them understand what's out there. You know, they want to see you. They want to know what you do for a living. They want to know what Charles does. Charles is a, uh, an example of what can happen, you know, um, the great things that can come out of Harlem. And so that's what we're trying to do with our kids. The things that make me sad is when we do do all that work for a child, they get into a good college, and then they don't have the money to go. Mm. So that's going to be the second part of my work, trying to raise money to make sure we have scholarships for these kids. Because we're doing this work, we're giving them opportunities, and then they don't have money to go. The second part of the work is not every kid's built for college. So what's the pathway to other career success and leadership opportunities? So that's what we're working on. And um, that's what I'm determined to do, transformative impact. What's the history behind the Boys and Girls Club? This has been an organization, and Charles kind of alluded to it. This 43 years, we started out in a church, Convent Avenue Baptist Church. You know, thank God for the church mothers and the church fathers, because those are the ones have been kind of the beacon of hope in the community, always taking their checks. I still see the older ladies coming in with their $50 checks, <laughs> and they're religious about it. Um, we've got some board members who have been on the board for 20, 30 years doing this work. But since that time, coming out of Common Avenue Baptist Church, and it used to have the programs inside the church, we've been working with kids. So we have a clubhouse now that Charles talked about that's located on 145th Street, but we also have five to six public schools that we work with in. So we serve kids from kindergarten through 12th grade, and it's about giving them brighter futures and opportunities. And that's always been the mission, making sure that these kids have a safe haven so that they know there's alternative to drugs, alternatives to the gangs, but also giving them academic preparation and working within the public schools because mm -hmm. That's where the kids are. And then also working with their families and trying to instill citizenship mm. and social advocacy and self-efficacy has always been critical to the work that we do. And like I said, Charles is a living, living um, example of that work. When you go and you speak to kids, what, what message do you want them to take away? Uh, the biggest message is is that the, the, there's an old saying that the world is your oyster, mm -hmm. that, that it's their oyster too. I mean, Janice, you and I always have frank conversations, right? And to be quite honest with you, it's one of the sad things that's happened uh, over time is a lot of black people and black folks in the community have accepted lesser, hmm. have accepted lesser, have accepted mediocrity, and therefore, the world expects him to accept that. You know, I just through my own struggles in the corporate world, uh, sometimes people will say things to me like, "I should be happy about certain things." That it's not. No, it's not. I'm going for the for the. I'm going for number one. Yeah. I, you know, I'm never happy if I'm if. And so, but listen, if a presidential candidate could come to your neighborhood and tell you that he is going to get you higher minimum wage and get your vote then that's what the world thinks of you. Mm. That's what you want. Higher minimum wage. Mm -hmm. Higher minimum wage is enough to get your vote to empower this person to be the most powerful person in the planet. That's all they have to do. So when the world sees that, you're going to have trouble. Mm. 
So first and foremost is you have to believe you can get anything that when you want something in this world, if you work hard for it and you go for it, it's yours. You can attain it. And I think that's the biggest thing. You know, certain things, sports, yeah, you know, everyone believes they could be the Mike Knight next LeBron James. Well, you could be the next Elon Musk. Yeah. You can be the next anything. Really, there's the, the most important thing stopping you is you. Mm. Once you get over your internal hurdles, all the other hurdles are going to be much lower. You're going to you're going to clear those hurdles. There'll be hurdles, but you, the biggest hurdle is internally, and it's tough because again, if you kind of grow up in a system where you know you know it's yeah it's 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 a, it's enough and enough is not necessarily celebrated, but it's accepted, then that's what you may think. Mm. Again, outside of areas where you see people excel. Mm-hmm. That that look like you, and, and unfortunately, like I think there might be five or six black CEOs in Fortune 500 companies. You know, now, there's only room for one Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm coming. I'm coming. <laughs> well, she needs a, uh, she needs a successor. She, so, so I'm back. I'm putting my money on you. Okay. <laughs> I'm ready for another Oprah. <laughs> I think we all are. <laughs> <laughs> She went past her expiration date, but anyway. <laughs> See, you she, messing with my, messing my girl. She did a great job, but I mean, it's, isn't it time? But she even knew when it was kind of time. Sure, sure. Right? She, yeah. I mean, listen, brilliant. Own your own business, totally. own your own channel. She's still doing great. Yeah, yeah, own your own channel. How about a show? How about a channel? Oh, okay. Now, that's someone who did, that, that cleared all their yes. internal yes. hurdles, yes. right? And that's what we're talking about. So, uh, And then I think the other great thing, particularly with the club, is to be around like-minded folks because mm. it's a lonely journey. But if you have someone else who says, yeah, I'm going to clear all these hurdles too, and then you have someone else next to them says, I want to clear these hurdles, and someone else says, hey, I want to be a computer scientist or I want to play the cello. You know, It's not like you're sitting around the block afraid to say what you want to do, what you want to be for fear of being picked on. Mm. You, know, you need that place where you can have shared ambitions. Yes. And no one's putting you down for it. No one's intimidating you for it. No one's ridiculing you for it. But everyone's lifting each other up. Mm-hmm. Don't go anywhere. We'll have more of the Janice Dean podcast right after this. I saw your brother in the crowd and he just looks so proud of you. Uh, what's your relationship like with him? Oh, no, I could tell. What's his name? Cecil. Cecil. You know, the the thing is, well, Cecil's the youngest. And um, when we were growing up, anytime my mother would ask what we're going to do, he would always ask me first, you, Charles? That was his favorite thing. You, Charles? Um, he's, doing a, he's doing great. He works with me. Um, and the reason it's kind of heartbreaking, too, is the middle brother, my middle brother, he could have been in the block that day. I'm not sure because he's been addicted to crack since he's about 17 years old. And here's the sad part. He's, when we were growing up, he was by far the smartest in the family. Oh. By far. One thing about the streets is they always zero in on the smartest mm-hmm. kid. Mm-hmm. Deliberately. Mm-hmm. They make you feel, they really, I mean, mm-hmm. I had a, a buddy of mine who was a crack dealer. And he and he was telling me about the business and how the most how they always get the nerds mm-hmm. on it. Mm-hmm. Particularly, the the girls can say, oh, you know, make them feel bad about being smart. Mm-hmm. It, they zero in on the smartest people, and if you make them feel, out, you know, you push them out, you know, ostracize them, intimidate them, 
they're the easiest ones to get on crack or any or get them off off track. So, and it's so heartbreaking because even to this day, you know, I try to meet up with them about once a month. Yeah. You know, um, I still have that very sliver of hope. Yeah. Something miraculous could happen, but I just want to make sure he's alive. And we talk. His brain is still amazing. Yeah. And um, but it just shows you where. We all grew up in the same area where one person can end and another person can end mm-hmm. without the right breaks, the right mindset. It's really that it's really that close, that much of a thin line. Yeah. Mm. And and that's and that's what we see. And and Charles's story is so indicative of our families and our kids. It's one step. You know, he's talking about that. I walk past my friend every day outside, hooked on drugs that I grew up with. And I and I see him. And um, he doesn't even remember me because growing up, I was church girl. I wasn't really allowed to hang outside. <laughs> um, but I knew. I, I remember him being like the cutest guy on the block. Right. And every girl liked him. And, and I walk past him now every day begging for money. And he's hooked on drugs. And so that's our reality that we still live in, in a community that these aren't, these aren't people that don't matter. Right. They're our family. And so there's a twofold process, one of how do we continue to protect the people who are our loved ones, but also how do we stop and break that pipeline? So I'm into pipeline breaking and pipeline building. Yes. Breaking the pipeline to prison, breaking the pipeline to drugs, and building a pipeline to wealth. Mm. You know, we talk about the racial wealth gap. Well, Charles is right. I can't set my kids up for the $15 an hour jobs anymore. And when I talk to young kids about why they join the gangs, they're like, well, you know, you're telling me go work at McDonald's. I can work on the streets mm. and make a lot more money. So we've got to start exposing our kids to opportunities. But the one thing, too, that's important is they have to feel like they have purpose. Yeah. And that's the thing that's missing. Our kids don't feel like they have purpose. They don't feel like anybody cares. And that's critical. And so... Why do I need them to see Charles? Because here's a brother who's doing well and has the flyest sneaker collection in town. <laughs> you know, like, he got to keep it real here. <laughs> I'm the nerdy girl. It's okay to be the nerdy girl, yeah. right? But when they see him walk in the room, he's tall, he's doing his thing, but he still has a good sneaker collection. <laughs> well, that right. really makes a difference in yeah. conversation yeah. Um, because then he's real. He's a real person. But they also need to see you. So last year I took the kids to Bergdorf and people go, why did you take your kids to Bergdorf? I said, because they need to know what the potential out there is. Yeah. And when my kids started going was, I need to do well so I can buy my mother something here. Mm. Now, someone would say, oh, you're teaching them consumerism. But no, I'm teaching them what life is about. Mm. I took them to art galleries last year. I took them to museums last year. I took the little kids to Hudson Yards. And you think those are basic things. But most of my kids will never go past 110th Street. Wow. And so you've got to start showing them the world out there because it also gives them conversation. Mm. So when they sit at the table, because you've helped them get in com- into college, they can have the same conversation as their peers. Mm-hmm. Oh, I did go skiing. Oh, I did have a tennis lesson. I didn't like it. Oh, I did go to the museum. And so now they don't feel so ostracized when they get to college or they sit at the corporate table at Fox because they've had similar life experiences or at least have some relevance to what you're talking about right and so 
make room. My kids are coming for you guys. <laughs> it's opportunity, right, Charles? Yeah, and, the, and to Sharon's point, and I t- by the way, I told you she was in the Oprah pipeline, right? Huh? <laughs> yes. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Look out, Oprah. Look out. You know, if you're looking for a successor. Um, the opportunity, but I'll always remember, like, the, 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 the meaning of luck, right, is uh, being prepared when opportunity is right. there. Right. So... Um, you got to go out there and, and you always have to be prepared. And in this life, you also have to kind of make your own opportunities mm-hmm. as well. And, you know, you, you knock on doors, you go places where, you know, you don't know. They, they, you know, you just you just cannot be afraid. You just simply cannot be intimidated. Uh, but it, the more you're prepared, the less intimidated you're going to be anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. Because you're not faking it. You know, you just but people have to know. And have to see you. And that's another thing in a sort of more opaque world where you're just people are just shooting out resumes and there's no face or name attached to it. I, I think that's that's going to even hurt folks who aren't connected even more, mm. you know, because let's face it, you know, uh, if, if someone's uh, looking for you know to hire someone and all these emails are coming, all these resumes are coming through. But but a friend of theirs at the country club says, well, here's my niece's resume. Yeah. Guess what? The niece has got a shot. But if you can get in there. And say, look at me. Like, okay, let me see you. You know, and so it's 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 it's. Listen, it's it's a it's a battle. You know, it's a battle, but it's a battle that's that that has to be fought, and it's a battle that every American should care about. Because, you know, I always I I'm worried about our country. You know, I talk about it a lot, and I and I look at our country as as being almost on a lifeboat. And if someone we were all on a lifeboat, one of us fell off it. We would still rescue that person. Even though it was a lifeboat, we would still grab that person and bring them back in. Mm-hmm. And that's what we have to do with every American. Everybody out there needs to understand that we need to try to save all Americans because we're in this together. And, and so, you know, I said I hope a lot of folks listening to this podcast think about, you know, maybe go and check out the website, the, the, the Boys and Girls Club of Harlem, uh, because we are we're in this together. And. You know, we're not this preeminent nation after World War II, the only the last, you know, mega nation standing. Everyone's coming for us. And if we're gonna continue to provide the kind of prosperity that we either enjoy or want our children to enjoy, uh, there's no way we can do it uh, if large fra- uh, large factions fractions of our nation aren't aren't keeping up. We have to bring everyone along. Everyone's gotta sort of be in this together. Sharon, what do you see as the future for the Boys and Girls Club? Um I think it's about ROI. <laughs> and if people laugh at me when I say that, it's a return on investment, right? And so my kids know that I'm investing my time, my career in them, and I expect a return on my investment in them. Hmm. And I want them to know that if they put the time in and they work, there's a greater return on that investment. But they've got to do the work. I'm not interested in kids getting handouts because then they'll think that life is all about handouts. The Boys and Girls Club, we're raising leaders. We're not raising minimum wage workers. Mm. We're raising people who are going to be leaders in their community, leaders in corporations, leaders in businesses, leaders in government, leaders who have a voice. And that's going to be the return on investment for everyone who invests in the Boys and Girls Club of Harlem. Because one way or the other, we're going to pay for these kids. Mm-hmm. We're going to pay for them if they wind up on social programs or if they wind up in jail. So I'd rather us invest in them 
and help them become the future leaders that we need, who have the right philosophy about money, who have the right philosophy about their work ethics, have the right philosophy about what it means to be a good citizen in this country and care about their community and care about people, not just people who look like them, but all people, like Charles said. So this is about transformation and creating brighter futures, but not just for these kids, but for us for us as well. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't want to get worried about walking down the street and getting mugged if you don't want you don't like what you see today. Yeah. Well, then invest in these kids. I 100% believe that, you know, my motto is hashtag children matter. Yeah. And we've got to invest in them. Right. It's our biggest job, really, yes. as parents. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Is to make sure we're raising good humans and also making them believe that they can achieve whatever they want. Absolutely. They just got to put the hard work into it. Yep. And Charles, to have you as a role model, I watched you and... I get teared up thinking about all the people that were there to support you, how much love you have from this company yeah, and all the people yeah, around yeah. you. That was beautiful. So proud of you. Yeah, thanks. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, Sharon, you've got such a great role model and Charles, obviously, you know, those kids can look at something and say, I can be him too. And thank you. Thank you for having this conversation with us um, because this is what it takes for us to build up these kids, all of us coming together. And um, I would say the one thing everyone has in common is that we love the children. They bring a smile to our face. So I really appreciate you having me on today. And I appreciate Charles for making sure that no kid is left behind. And I appreciate you for wanting to have this conversation with us. We'll have it again and again. I'm happy to support this wonderful cause and to support this great man. And Oprah, look out. (laughs) (laughs) Oprah, be my mentor. (laughs) She was, I mean, everyone loved Oprah. You I know, the one her. thing about Oprah is you didn't, you looked past what she, what she looked like, the color of her skin. She was just, she was Oprah. Yeah, yeah. And anybody can do that. Absolutely. Right? And she gave you Absolutely. hope. You know, she did. She gave you hope on everything and mm-hmm. anything, and she was vulnerable. And, you know, and I think that's what it's about, right? All of us taking off the mask. Yes. Admitting that there's some vulnerability, some things we're working on but always pushing the bar a little bit higher in mm-hmm. every aspect of our life. Yep, I and, agree. And that's what's made her great. And so, yeah. Amen, Oprah. <laughs> if you're listening, you made the Dean's List too. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Thanks again to Charles and Sharon from the Boys and Girls Club of Harlem. Thanks again to Charles Payne and Sharon Joseph from the Boys and Girls Club of Harlem. Their mission is to provide access and opportunity for youth to reach their full potential as responsible members of their community. Each year, they touch the lives of over 1,200 youth and their families. If you would like to find out more about this organization, take part or contribute, you can go to www.bgcharlem.org. Thank you to all of my listeners. If you have someone you think should make the Dean's List, let me know at Janice Dean on Twitter or Janice Dean FNC on Instagram. Or you can rate this podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or at foxnewspodcast.com. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. 
from the Fox News Podcasts Network. Subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.